Hi, everyone. My name is Lindsay Littman. I am the director of our full-time MBA recruitment and admissions team here at the Ivy Business School. Today's Ivy MBA talk is focused on our global MBA applicants. And we want to make sure that you have your commonly asked questions addressed, you feel comfortable and confident putting forward a strong application, and hopefully will increase your chances of receiving a scholarship from us. So for today's conversation, I really do want to just focus on some of the, um, the key information pertaining to our, our global applicants, things such as our admissions timelines, overview of what we're looking for within an application and our requirements, some commonly asked questions, and we'll give some advice around these areas, as well as the uh, certainly very popular topic right now of our newly implemented GMAT GRE waiver request. And then just to wrap up the few key things to take away from today's conversation. Now, today's conversation does not omit the opportunity to connect with myself or my colleague, Amy Froud. We are truly here along the admissions journey with you to answer questions, clarify anything. These online resources, such as this talk and other podcasts and webinars that we have, are there to help you outside of office hours or when you really need to answer right away and we're not available. So these are a compliment to our support. So please don't hesitate ever to reach out to Amy or myself. Now, in terms of admissions timelines, uh, we do have four rounds for our global applicants. Two have already passed and we have two remaining at this point, July and September. I always reference the month because it is the date, though is important, we will still accept applications after that date throughout that month. So typically speaking, there's always about a week or two grace period around any of our admissions deadlines. And so that's why more specifically we'll reference July or September versus citing July 10th or September 18th. Some things to keep in mind with these two remaining deadlines. First of all, I want to I want to squash any worry that because you've not yet applied, this means you've decreased your odds of receiving an offer scholarship. Fortunately, with our admissions program and our generous donors and operating budget, you've not missed the opportunity to receive an admissions scholarship. The likelihood remains the same, whether you're applied in our January, our first round, or if you're going to apply in our last round in September. Truly, the pressure is off you to apply earlier to to we increase your chances of offering scholarship. That is not the case with our program. Now, that is the case with other programs. So it's very important as you're buying your MBA, you connect with all admissions programs to understand these, this information. You don't want to miss out. And so other programs have more of an incentive to apply early. Then you're really going to want to try as best you can to line up all your MBA program applications at the same time. That really is the factor to consider with the admissions timeline. Look at all the programs, get to know them well, understand their deadlines, understands parameters around that, such as scholarship opportunity, as well as understand the turnaround time with the school to you with a decision. Now with us, up until September, it's about four to six weeks will give you a decision back, approximately. As of September, when offers are extended, we will get back to you in a bit of a faster period around up to four weeks. This is because with with international applicants, there's always that component of the study visa, which is a lot of uncertainty, though there's guidelines on the Canadian government website. Like many things, they are guidelines. They're not set in stone and they're not always accurate. And what we don't want to have is a lot of heartbreak every year. Every year, there's some heartbreak, unfortunately, of those who receive offers and accept the offer, but their, visas, their visa does not come in time. And we do require a visa approved for you to come into Canada and for you to join our MBA program. So it's always important to make sure you've got time for your visa application. And we always encourage, as soon as you accept an offer with our program, start that process immediately. Do not think, oh, I've got time. It says it only takes eight weeks. 
do not live by that guideline. You really don't want to uh, miss out. So that is why the decision turnaround times change a little bit. We give you a little bit. We, um, you know, want to make sure we get an answer to you as soon as we can from that final international deadline date. Now, with this newly uh, implemented initiative we have of providing a GMAT GRE waiver, I we understand there's a lot of interest around this. So I'll get into that in more detail in terms of the, the specifics around it. But how this pertains to deadline dates is that if you are not granted the waiver, but you're otherwise considered a fit, we're going to provide you a, con a conditional offer. With a conditional offer, there's going to be parameters around this, such as a deadline date to provide the specified score. We are not providing you six months to write the test. So if you're applying by July, we're still going to provide you at least two months to write the test. We would ideally like the score by October. Because what we do then is once you get once you hopefully achieve that score, we're going to provide you with those necessary documents for you to then move forward, proceed with hopefully accepting the offer and then applying for your study visa. So applying after the July deadline is really shortening your timeline for writing the GMAT or GRE. Now, maybe you're someone who's already been studying and you say, oh, that's OK, I want to apply in September because... I'm lining up my school applications and I'm preparing for the GMAT, but if Ivy says I have to write it, I can write it in October, then that's okay. But we really do want to make sure you've got time because it, obviously that test does take, require a significant amount of studying. We understand the pressure around it. So that is why we are really strongly encouraging you to apply for the July deadline if you're all looking about applying for that GMAT or GRE waiver request. Now, once you do apply, from the moment you apply to when we have a decision to you, and this speaks to if you proceed to the admissions interview stage, which about 75% do, we will have a response to you within four to six weeks. Now, if you are extended an offer, you have four weeks to make your decision with us. And this is where it's great to stay involved with our team, ask any remaining questions. Come our September deadline, we will have our answer to you within four weeks. But we're then asking you to have an answer back to us within two weeks. Again, this is all to do with immigration processing. We want to make sure you've got time to proceed with next steps, immigrate to Canada, get yourself here ready for our March start. So it is important as you're buying an MBA program to obviously get to know all the programs very well that you're considering, understand their admissions timelines, line them up as best you can. But going in, when you're applying for a program, you should have a pretty good indication of whether you're going to accept an offer or not, whether it's extended. So having these turnaround times of four weeks to two weeks, that's pretty generous. If at all, you need one extra week where you're waiting on their program, you're waiting just for a discussion with a family member, you're lining up your financing information, that is fine. We are able to grant you in these extenuating circumstances an additional week, but no additional time beyond that. So just keep that in mind again as you're planning and you're deciding when to apply and to which programs. You should have a very good idea what the program has to offer, whether it's a fit for you. Line up all your school applications, understanding turnaround times, decision deadlines, understanding the financial component of it, how you're going to finance the MBA. You don't have to have all your loans documents signed and already submitted into your account, but you should have spoken with individuals, advisors, um, third-party financial support systems. So you have an idea. You want to be feeling comfortable and confident with the MBA decision from not only the fit perspective, but also from the financial component. 
So with our overview, what we're looking for from an admission perspective, I'm not going to go too deep into this because this is on our website, but also we have some great podcasts where myself and Amy go quite detailed into what we're looking for. It's actually called Application Advice Podcast 1, Application Advice, sorry, Part 1 and Part 2. And we really do break down all parts of it, how to forward a strong application. But this is at a high level, some things I want to capture that were, were questions that are asked frequently from our global applicants. So in terms of quality of work experience, we are looking for up to about 10 years work, full-time work experience. We do calculate this from your first completed university degree. Now, sometimes there's exceptions to this. Perhaps you went to a direct master's program afterwards. And so maybe you, you know, maybe your degree is a little bit earlier in the years than we would consider. So for example, for a 2024 intake, we would be looking at degrees completed um, no earlier than 2014. But perhaps you completed yours in 2013 and then went on to do a master's, you know, and your work experience was still in line with what we're looking for, then that would still apply. So there are sometimes these exceptions. So if anything, don't select yourself out of the process. If you're unsure, submit your resume for an assessment and we'll be happy to give you that advice. We're not going to encourage you to apply if you feel you're too senior or if you feel you're too junior. So trust us that we will take it seriously and review your profile with detail to make sure you have showcased some impact, the ability to handle responsibility, achieve results, comfort with ambiguity. These are some of the key soft skills that we do look for for um, admission into our program. With the university degree, we're often asked around, well, what if I don't have a traditional business degree? Or uh, what if I only have a three-year degree? All accepted, all encouraged. You know, we're not looking for a certain degree uh, as long as it is actually an accredited university, minimum three years completed. At the time of your application submission, we only require unofficial transcripts. Um, yes, they do need to be translated. So please do make sure that to help our admissions team out when they're assessing all of our global institutions for calculating the GPA. If you've not lived using English in this the first language, whether in a work or a personal capacity for at least two years, we will require an English proficiency test from you. If you do meet the requirements for the waiver, there's a section within our application where you can explain this. Again, our admissions team are quite qualified. They understand the universities where they use English as a first language and parts of the world where the education system is such. So as long as you explain it there and they verify it, you are all set. If you're not in that circumstance, then you will need to write either an IELTS, a TOEFL, or Duolingo. The scores and brackets are the, are the requirements that we need, the minimums. With IELTS, we accept academic or general, um, TOEFL minimum of 100, and Duolingo 125. With IELTS, we do need at least a seven in each individual category as well as overall. I would also say if you are applying for the GMAT waiver opportunity, these English proficiency tests play a bit more of a role because we do wanna make sure you have that proven capability to keep up with the pace of our program, especially from a comprehension, a spoken and a written ability, we wanna make sure we're setting up for success. <clears throat> professional references. So we do need two professional references. You know, we understand it cannot be maybe your current supervisor, if maybe you haven't told that person yet, that's totally acceptable. But it is beneficial for one of your references to be of a level that, can, that was perhaps a supervisor to you to some degree. Now, we also would prefer to be someone with more recency effects. So not someone from seven, eight, nine years ago, someone probably within the last five years. But what's most important is there's detail with your capacity within the reference. So making sure you're choosing two individuals who's worked with you in some capacity that can speak to your abilities, your ability to handle complex projects, manage information, um, work well with others, overcome setbacks. That's really what we're seeking to understand. So the GMAT or GRE and applicable designations. So as global applicants, we accept a CFA 2 and a CFA 3. 
we often get questions. Oh, I have a, I have a CPA from another country or I have a PN from another country. That's fantastic. It's not going to hurt your profile. We'll see it as an asset, but it does not count as admission waiver for the GMAT or GRE. Only the designations of CFA 2 and CFA 3 for our global applicants. Now, in terms of a minimum GMAT score for admission, you know, technically speaking, we'd like to see at least a 600, but there's always exceptions to this. Many things with our admissions, we are really holistic. So if you're a little bit lower than a 600, but your GPA was quite strong, and so was your work experience, maybe we'd still admit you with a 580. So again, don't select yourself out of the process based on that data factor, which is why we're not overly explicit with citing what our minimum is. There are some parameters and exceptions around that. Now, the GMAT or GRE waiver request. So this part is optional. You don't have to complete this part as part of your application. But if you're interested and you want to see if you are granted the waiver, then the section is required for you to complete. It is within the application. We do not provide preliminary assessments because we do look at this quite holistically. We are So those who have an undergraduate or graduate degree in STEM, so engineering, science, any of the sciences, really statistics, mathematics, business or economics, commerce, and you displayed quantitative analysis during the courses chosen and you did well on them, that would make sense for you to apply for this waiver. If you look back on your transcripts, you're like, ah, I didn't do so well in those courses. Unless you have a very strong career in quantitative analysis or in a, degree, in a career that uses a lot of quantitative capabilities daily, you, that's why it's holistic. So we look at both the career and the grade. So if your grades aren't low, but your career is strong, then go ahead and reply for the, for the waiver. If both aren't strong, perhaps you're in a career that doesn't use a lot of quantitative analysis, and let's say a business undergrad isn't the strongest showcase of your academic abilities, you can still apply for it. But chances are um, it may not be provided because really those who are more well-rounded with the academic side and the career side are more likely going to receive the waiver. But this is within the application. We do not provide preliminary assessments. There isn't even a grade that you require in order to be considered for it because we do look more at the specific quantitative courses. So your overall GPA might be strong, but the quantitative courses you have might not be as strong. And so that's really where we take a little bit more time to assess your profile to make sure you're a fit for, um, for the program. Now, these are just some of the high-level areas, again, of our admissions that we get a lot of questions on. Of course, there's two written essays, there's clear video questions. Um, but again, the podcast and our website do provide some great information, as well as, again, myself and Amy are happy to help. Now, I'm going a bit more deep into some specific questions were asked in a couple of the more popular areas. So something around, again, the non-business background. I touched on that briefly, but Really, do not feel that if you have an if you have an arts undergrad or you specialize, you know, uh, in, in a non-traditional background, that's fantastic. Don't feel that you can't pursue an MBA program. We've had everyone in our program from athletes to military to sommeliers, those who come from family business, um, those who come from uh, a media background, uh, English majors, all of it. Our role at admissions is to make sure you have the right quality of experience and transferable skills to relate to the classroom and, of course, align with your post-MBA career goals. So there is no requirement in terms of type of degree, as long as, again, a certified degree and of at least three years. In terms of a competitive GMAT score, um, you know, our average in a given year of last decade is anywhere between a 660 and a 670. Really, anything is 640 or higher, you're in the arena you're in a good situation. Do not feel you have to be in the 700s. I know there's a lot of forums out there that say you have to be in the 700s for certain schools or to be competitive with recruiting. That's not the case anymore. There's certainly a, 
a, a bit of a move away from the GMAT as being the be all end all of determining your um, capabilities and the strength of your profile. So I would, we would encourage to say uh, anything 600 or higher is admissions that we're looking for, but 640 or higher, you're certainly in, in the conversation there. If you have an international MBA, we get this question a lot around, well, if I already have an international MBA, can I apply to Ivy? You certainly can. I know there are some programs where you cannot have two MBAs. So that is, again, a great question to ask. But if you have one and you're looking to have um, a different MBA experience, certainly from a case methodology perspective, or certainly from one in Canada, you it does not at all hurt your profile if you are applying to our program and you already have an MBA. What will be very important, though, is you explain to either myself or Amy or within your application and or within your admissions interview is why you're looking to do another MBA program. We want to make sure it's logical and we're setting you up for success. How much is too much experience? This is, again, another common question. So back to my earlier comment around you know, years of experience and what we look for. And, you know, there's sort of some areas that are, you know, you're on the edge of it. So part of our role is really assessing to make sure your career to date is not too senior. And that's really what we're looking for. We'll look at your titles. We'll look at the responsibilities. We'll have a conversation with you. If we feel that you are too senior than those who are typically in the room, we're going to encourage you not to apply because we want to make sure this investment makes sense for you. But that's really where we will help you around that. It is always around 10 years. It is rare someone who has you know, over 12 years is in the program. Um, but you know, the average experience is around five and a half. But typically up to about 10 years-ish is, uh, is safe to say you could still be a fit for our program. A lot of our global MBA applicants feel they have to have Canadian work experience to be successful in Canada. This is not the case. You look at our employment reports. I know you can only see the last year, um, but I can tell you being Ivy for ooh, over a decade now that it is quite consistent to say that our international applicants has just have just as much success as our Canadian students um, with careers. So our, our recruiters are not looking for specifically Canadian experience. It's what's the quality of the experience? What are the skill sets that you've developed so far? And that's really how the career management team helps you sell yourself from where you were before Ivy and help you make yourself seen as an asset to that company. So do not feel that you are disadvantaged for recruiting if you do not have Canadian work experience. Really, you know, the over 90% who are remaining in Canada working early any given year, that's the same statistic of, you know, of Canadian or um, international students. So the odds are the same. Um, success rates are really the same there. So don't feel at all you're at a disadvantage. Common question around a one-year, two-year program in general, global and non-global applicants around the internship and a career change. But I know from a global applicant perspective, it's a little bit more of a common question, again, based around the parameters around work experience and being successful in Canada. You do not. Um, you know, actually, this the class of 2022, I think it was 95 or 96% actually completed a career change. So very, very high percentage of the class. And so as you can imagine there, you don't need that. As you can see that you do not need the internship to be successful. This is really where the work is involved on your end as well. You need to work with career management, help sell yourself, highlight your transferable skills, your strengths, build the connections, go to recruiting events, make alumni connections um, and present well, but you do not need it. There's a difference if you want it, but if we admit you into our program, what we're saying is you're a fit with Ivy. We believe in you. We feel you have the right experiences for both the classroom conversation and also for career success. You know, we are not going to provide you an offer if we don't feel you're going to be successful with us or willing to do the work. So I want to talk now about the scholarship. A lot of questions around the scholarship side of things. Um, always around how do I increase my chances? If I say I've got higher financial need, will I get more money? 
Again, if I apply after round one and two, are there still scholarships available? Um, the answers to all of these is that to increase your chances of receiving scholarship is just putting forward a stronger application. It is not based on your financial needs. So we do ask for your expected contribution, um, your personal contribution. That's only seen by our financial administration team. And that is just to make sure, again, you're coming in with your eyes wide open. We don't provide full scholarships. So it's important that you understand the financial investment. Only about 80 to 85% receive an admission scholarship. That's a high percentage, but there are going to be some who don't receive an admission scholarship. Scholarships range anywhere from $10,000 up to $80,000. The average sits between $25,000 and $30,000. So understanding this, there's likely going to be a financial gap. And that's for almost all of our applicants come in with requesting funding from Prodigy, Empower, Home Bank Loans, or any savings. So do not feel you have to, you know, embellish uh, your financial need within your application to increase your odds of receiving a scholarship. It will not be the case at all. We base the scholarship decision only based on the strength of your profile, the same factors for deciding the offer. And whether you applied round one or round four or anywhere in between, the odds of offering scholarship remain the same. The average scholarship extended remains the same. So do not fear to apply early to get that scholarship. Can you negotiate your scholarship? Quick answer is no. <laughs> uh, you know, what we do is we take time with the admissions committee to really make sure that we feel um, you are, you know, that we really take time to go through your whole application, references, interview, essays, Kira, transcripts, everything. We decide then the strength of your profile based on all those merit factors. So we take time. It's not a flippant decision. And so we get back to you and say, congratulations, receive an offer and a, let's say $25,000 scholarship. You came back and say, well, I'd like more money. Well, <laughs> you, this is what we feel is competitive for your profile. And so we don't negotiate that way. It's not a, well, X school gave me X money. This Every school has different parameters, different benchmarks. Now, I will say that if by the time you apply, your profile changes before the first day of the program. For example, let's say you achieve your CFA 2 or your CFA 3. At the time, you only had your, C, your earlier stages of CFA. That's a merit change in your profile. It was the same as if you rewrote your GMAT and achieved a GMAT score 50 points higher. That's a significant change. So your merit, your strength, your profile has changed. If by that point you'd already accepted an offer with us, come back to myself or Amy and share that information. We're more than willing to go back to the committee and say, listen, um, Alicia's profile's changed. Let's try to get, like, I think she's, she's you know, eligible to receive further funding. Now, we always have to manage expectations. If your GMAT did increase in score by 50 points, you're not going to receive $20,000 extra. You might receive up to $5,000 extra, but we understand every dollar helps. So that is something we're always willing to do. But the time of it, when you receive your offer, if you are given a scholarship, you, you are not, it is not in a situation where you can come back and negotiate for further funding. So I think this captures a lot of the, the questions, again, that are around these questions, around profile and scholarship. But of course, again, just to keep reinforcing, uh, myself and Amy are here to answer anything further, as well as we do have some of these questions addressed in some of our uh, on-demand resources and podcasts, uh, especially with time zone differences. You know, we're not available 24-7, unfortunately. Uh, so we find those resources sometimes are, are helpful um, for answering questions when we're not available. Now let's get to the, the hot topic that's going on right now, this GMAT GRE waiver request. I want us to outline some potential outcomes and give a little bit more detail around this. Now, number one is we do not provide preliminary assessments. 
we're often asked, well, you know, will I receive this waiver, my waiver request be granted? We cannot tell you that at the time. And there's a good reason for that. We're not just looking at one data factor. We are looking at not only your, your GPA, but also just the courses you took. And so this is where it's a little bit different than a typical assessment of your GPA and academic course powers. Though you might have a strong, you might have a commerce undergrad and maybe your grades are quite strong. But when we look further at the courses you took, you didn't do as well in the stronger quantitative ones. You did better in the less quantitative courses. So that's really where we took a little bit of a deeper dive into actually the courses you took and how you performed. Now, generally speaking, you're looking at a B plus or higher in order to be considered pretty good to be in the conversation for a waiver. Now, we also then look at your career. And this is where if you've had, if you're in a career, let's say you're working in, you know, commercial banking and use a lot of quantitative analysis every day, um, that's really going to really help with your waiver request because you're using the concepts you're proving yourself, especially if you've been in this career for you know, a handful of years. This is where your references can also speak to your capabilities in this area. You know, with, when they complete the reference of you, they can speak to say, listen, Alicia, you know, is our, our, our data guru. We rely on her a lot for our analysis. She's, you know, quite intelligent, picks up concepts quickly. However, maybe that is encouraged to, as you're speaking through references, if you would like to make sure that they reinforce your academic capabilities to share that with them. Now, this is where as a committee, what happens is after you've had, you submitted and you have your transcripts, you've had your interview, your references are completed. We do a deep dive into your application in general, but especially on the waiver request on the academic proof of your quantitative analysis capability. So this is where we'll look at the grades again in detail, the career in detail, uh, any notes from the admissions interview or your references. So what's important is that in the waiver request essay that you complete, you highlight how you use these concepts in your career. You even highlight certain courses or other things that maybe are not gleaned easily. You really want to sell this request as much as you can. Now, we will share that, typically speaking, someone who has done well with their career in a quantitative capacity as well as their GPA, higher likelihood of getting the request. But, sorry, higher likelihood of the request being approved. However, I, I don't. I, I caution even saying this because it really does depend. And I think this speaks in favor for you considering it because it really is a holistic assessment. With the one-year program, we things move quickly. We feel that you learn faster because you're absorbing the concepts because you're using them day to day. But we want to make we want to be confident in your academic capability. So do not look at it as a slight. If we don't provide you that GMAT waiver request. It means we just want to feel more confident you come in from an academic perspective. So let's talk about the outcomes of this. Um, option one, fantastic. You've proven your academic capability in the quantitative capacity. Your waiver request has been granted. This means you do not need to write the GMAT. I will say not having the GMAT will not impact your scholarship decision. We've been asked this question recently, and I understand because you think, well, Lindsay, this is a data factor. If, it's, if Ivy's making the decisions based on data and a merit of my profile, I don't have this. But what we're saying is you don't need it. So that means this will not at all uh, impact, negatively impact the scholarship assessment. We're saying you're strong enough without it. So we're considering you almost as, in, as if having a strong GMAT. Um, in terms of making that scholarship decision. So just keep that in mind. Now I will do a little asterisk to this as well. As you can see, we have a lot of it depends scenarios here at Ivy and that is, is even the case once you're in the program. 
You may not be required to have the GMAT for admission, but depending on the career you're seeking, it may be advisable for you to have the GMAT for the program. This is something that may come up in your interview with career management. And if you're applying for the waiver request, I strongly encourage you ask this question to your admissions interviewer because they're the ones, they are the experts in the field. Now, as I mentioned briefly earlier, there's a bit more of a trend of moving away from requiring the GMAT for recruitment opportunities post-MBA. More and more companies are looking at grades within the MBA program versus making the decision based on the GMAT score alone. There's a lot of disadvantages with the GMAT, such as different parts of the world, education systems are different, uh, financial component, many are disadvantaged in an unfair way. And this is why there's been a move towards more programs all over the world that the GMAT is not required for admission and that more companies are actually not looking at it as strongly. They might still ask for it. They might still look at it. And some may not altogether. Again, it depends. But this is where we're going to set you up for success. We're going to provide you that advice and you can take it or leave it. But do keep that in mind. Because a waiver is granted for admission, it does not mean you may not have to write it altogether. It may be still advisable you write it to be competitive for a career. And I'm saying, saying careers specifically such as, let's say, investment banking, private equity, right? Those very quantitative technical um, careers, they may want to see that. So please do ask your interviewer that, ask myself or Amy that for more detail. We're going to give you the information that we have and set you up for success. So option two, you requested the waiver and it was denied. Uh, it was just not proven. And again, whether it was altogether, whether it was the career, whether it was the GPA, um, all, we just don't feel confident at this stage. But we still always think you're a great fit. So it's not totally a negative outcome. This just means we're going to give you a conditional offer. And this is where we're going to give you specifics. So typically speaking, as I mentioned earlier on the admissions timeline, we'd like to give you three months to write the GMAT or GRE. But with deadlines, that's going to impact things. This is why, again, we're really recommending you apply by that July deadline date um, in order for you to have time to write it should that be the case. It's always good to be a planner. Plan for all potential outcomes. So, um, so this is where... You know, you want to apply by, you know, ideally July or August to give yourself sufficient time, at least two months to write it, ideally three if it's possible. So we are going to tell you the score we need. It could be a 600, it could be a 640, it could be a 550. That score all depends on your profile. So it's not a set score that we provide. It is very applicant dependent. And then again, same with the deadline date. We will likely give you a minimum scholarship associated with that minimum score. So let's say it's $25,000 if you got a 600 GMAT, fantastic. And let's say you get a 650, a 660 GMAT. Well, then your scholarship will be reassessed because you achieved a much higher GMAT score. So that, those are the two positive outcomes. Now there's always a third outcome in any of our admissions assessment that you're just, you're denied. And the reason being is that you're overall not a fit for the program, overall not strong enough as other applicants. It's rarely, if ever, one factor. There's a theme involved. And overall, we just don't feel you're the right fit for Ivy at this time. So I understand that there's a lot of information with this waiver request. The really the highlights come down to we don't provide preliminary assessments. It is not just based on one factor. It is collective of your career and your previous degree. Um, really speak with your references. Make sure you share this in your interview storytelling. And you know, ask career management during your interview about if your career goals that you're seeking should is it advisable that you write the GMAT or GRE. 
So a lot of information was shared here today. Um, please, again, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Amy. But as a takeaway, you know, understand the programs, line up your applications as best as you can. We will do our best to get a decision to you within four to six weeks. Um, you know, you'll have about four weeks to make a decision for our July deadline. You'll have two weeks to make a decision as of our September deadline. Amy and myself are here to help you through all of it. Don't feel that once you've applied and if you've got an offer, you can't talk to us about your concerns. We understand this is a significant investment. So please do be transparent with us. Share with us other schools that you're considering. Share with us your concerns. We're happy to facilitate introductions to students, alumni. It's best to get to the experience as much as you can. This is a, this is a fit for, for many, but not a fit for all. And that's okay. It's just figuring out what fit means for you. So please do keep in mind the deadline dates, some of the additional parameters for our international applicants, especially the English proficiency tests. Um, otherwise speaking, you know, we do appreciate your interest in our Ivy MBA program, and we hope to see your application uh, come through soon. Thanks so much, everyone. Take care.